2: of course thanks for having me really appreciate it
1: yeah it is my pleasure so listeners this is going to be a a a reverse interview so marcus is actually going to be interviewing me so before we start marcus can you get us started by just telling about yourself and uh telling us what you do
2: yeah so hey everybody my name is marcus banks i'm a stand-up comedian based in chicago illinois and I also run a company called Your Charismatic Co-host, where I come on and spice up your podcast. You to-
1: Absolutely. This is really cool. So I, I, first of all, I think it's a really cool business idea, you know, just being able to interview the host of different shows. I think that's really cool. So I'm excited to share this with all my podcast friends. But yeah, we appreciate this too, because instead of giving the the the, the world an update with like a a boring monologue. Now we can have a, a conversation with somebody who, by <laughs> definition, is charismatic and funny as a co-host and a comedian. So looking forward to it. So where, where should we start, Marcus?
2: Well, I'm curious about how and I got started in the first place and what inspired it and what movie made to make it come and come to be
1: yeah so essentially, with a and I I wanted to build the company that I always wanted to work for. There just weren 't <clears> that many opportunities to work for a company like this It's pretty unique, and so for me i 've talked a lot about the fact that back in the day before becoming a lawyer, I was a people pleaser. That was something I really struggled with and so it wasn 't until I got to law school that I discovered negotiation and conflict resolution as a skill set, and I took okay. a class, and that 's when I fell in love so it was the first time I was able to recognize that the ability to advocate for yourself was a skill, not just a mm. talent. I, I didn't realize that I could get better at this. And so I took the course, did well. And then we had a negotiation competition at Ohio State. And my negotiation partner
2: and I, competition.
1: Yeah. Oh, so these these things are really fun. And so okay. in, in law school, they have moot court. And okay. so you you get to do a like a pretend trial practicing, but in one aspect of it, uh, like another type of competition they have is a negotiation competition where they have you and a partner. You represent uh-huh. a fictional client, and then okay. you go head to head with somebody else with lawyers and judges and mediators from the community, actual like professors and practitioners looking okay. at you and judging the competition. So it's pretty cool, pretty intense, pretty intense. And so it's so, like um,
2: debate. Club on steroids, basically.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And so I, you know, I didn't know about negotiation competitions before law school, but it sounded pretty cool. And so my partner and I, we won the competition at the law school, which again, nice. for me, coming from that people pleaser background was a bit of a shocker, but I was just obsessed with it. I was mm-hmm. like, I can get better. Let me keep mm-hmm. on trying to get better. So mm-hmm. we just really outworked the competition, just practicing and studying and role-playing and putting our strategy together, I became obsessed. And so that allowed us to represent the school at the American Bar Association Regional Competition in Ottawa, Ontario.
2: Oh, this is like a whole thing. (laughs) like an Ohio State. We're having fun. It's like, like a national phenomenon.
1: Yeah. So for us, the the OSU competition was like a, a qualifier. So okay. that's how we picked. It was like 55 different teams that year. It was a massive year in terms of like how many people wanted to compete. And so the top two teams get to represent the school at, at regionals. And so ah, okay. that was pretty sick. And um, we won that competition, too. And then that allowed us to represent the, like the region at the american bar association national competition and we made it to the semis okay um, yeah so i was hooked man i was hooked. like because again that's year one and we're competing with the best in the the country and again it was only because i became obsessed with it just constantly studying reading doing extra work and things like that so after that experience marcus i was like oh, I got to, I need to figure out a way to share this message. Other people need to know, because I, mm-hmm. it made me wonder just how many people out there were in that same situation where they don't realize that they can improve their lives, their careers, their relationships by improving this skill. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the motto comes from for A&I. We believe the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations. Wow. And so for me, yeah. it's just about spreading the message as far as we can.
2: That's beautiful. That's what's up. I mean, I had no idea that debate. What were they referred to as? As negotiation negotiation competitions? Yeah. Wow. It it feels like you were like this. Did you guys win or was it just semis?
1: No, we made it to the semis, but I mean, it was a big competition. Okay. So, like, what is that? That puts us in like the the top eight, top four, or something like that of the, the folks in the country? I mean, if you're
2: top four, you became, you came up with A and (laughs) I. That's it. What is first place? Does anybody remember first place? Does anybody even remember second place? Who knows who the (laughs) third place guy was?
1: who know knows the, man
2: we know who the fourth I, place guy is so we're right here exactly
1: exactly that's listen man that's why i have the podcast <laughs> so i can, so I can <laughs> tell them hey hey remember me but yeah man it was it was cool and so for me like the podcast even is older than a and i just by a couple of months mm. like i started the podcast because just because i wanted to share as much as I could. I uh, didn't know where to start sharing. I said, all right, let me start this podcast. I, nobody was really listening at the beginning, you know, just talking to some friends and, <laughs> and putting it together. You yeah. Know. But uh, the thing was, I just didn't quit. And I think that's one of the differentiators because most podcasts on average quit between their sixth or their ninth episode. That's usually how far they oh, wow. get before they pack it in. But now we're at, we're creeping up on 600 episodes, six years.
2: Wow. That's know, impressive, and, uh, impressive.
1: It's just the consistency, like consistency. And, and I think yeah. that's really what I chalk it up to.
2: Yeah, no, I'm a comedian and I, I have many a friend who've tried to do a podcast and they don't get past the first episode. So I know <laughs> how hard it is. <laughs> Uh, they don't have anything nearly as interesting as negotiation. It's usually about some TV show that nobody watches but them. So no wonder it doesn't move past the first episode.
1: I tell you, man, I, I, the I the negotiation niche was interesting because, you know, you can look at its cousin sales and there are thousands mm-hmm. of sales podcasts. But when you really, how many, oh my gosh. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's probably new p- sales podcasts every week that are coming out. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But on the negotiation side, not that many. Like when I started, I was the only active show. Every wow. other negotiation podcast had stopped running and then now they're probably about 20 or so active ones. Wow. And some of them just don't make it.
2: Okay. I don't want to diss sales podcasts, but We'll just move on. <laughs> that just sounds like the most boring thing in the entire world, but that's OK. Maybe that's what I'm for.
1: <laughs> um, exactly.
2: I'm curious as to how you built your plan, build your strategy and how it manifested. Like, what were the steps you took to, like, make it a real company? You mentioned that you started with the podcast, but what led to it becoming a company?
1: Yeah. So that was the interesting thing. The, the podcast is what put me in that position because that's how people started to, to know me in the industry. And so starting it, I had this idea. I said, okay, I want to become a thought leader in this. How do I do it? Um, so I did some research, looked at the people that I admired who were thought leaders, and I tried to reverse engineer their success. Like, how do they get there? So I said, all right, the people that I look at, it seems like they have three pillars of thought leadership. So- I said, I'm going to try to knock off one big thing every single year. So the first thing is they have a method of distribution of their message that they control completely. So for okay. me, that was the podcast. So I have control of this, uh, this medium, even with the deal that we just negotiated with LinkedIn. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. I still own the IP and I still have creative control over the way that I do this, which is great. Um, and so that was an important part of the process. So that was 2016. And then okay. 2017, I said, okay, they, the thought leaders, they have this a, a speech that's on stage in front of a lot of people. That's really impressive. So I said, all right, I'll, I'll do a Ted talk. And so we did that Ted talk in front of 1200 people. And now it's at 300 plus thousand views. Um, but there was a wow. lot of practice that went into that and a lot of ideas and thoughts that went into that. So that was year two. So that was 2017. And then 2018, I said, all right, they also have a book. And so all of the ideas that didn't make it into the TED talk that went into the book. So the TED ah. talk is finding confidence in conflict. And the book has the same name, because when I started the TED talk, I said, all right, these are all my ideas. It was 20, 22 pages. And I had to whittle that down over months to just like a tight two and a half pages or three pages of notes. So I'm like, I'm not letting all this go to waste. No. <laughs> and so and so that went into the book. And so that that was the the approach. It was the podcast, the the TED talk, and the book. The, that's the the pillar of thought leadership. And then I built from there and that gave me the credibility to get in and serve some of the, the biggest companies in the world. And it's nice. been really cool. Nice. Does your company invest in professional development training?
0: TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot.
2: Do you remember your first client?
1: I do. It's a funny story. Yeah.
2: What was and, that like?
1: And, and so it's funny. I uh, I haven't told the story to him in this way. And uh, I think he will be interested to hear it this way, too. So yeah. he was uh, somebody who reached out from the podcast and okay. um, he said, hey, I'm a lawyer. I've got a lot of experience. And at the point at that beginning, at that point, I was saying to myself, no way. Did I get a client? Are you for real? <laughs> <laughs> like okay. help. No way. Right. So I thought it was like some kind of scam. I was like, no, nah, this, this cannot be real. This has yeah. to be some kind of, you know, phishing scheme. But I was yeah. reading the emails like, but it sounds really lawyerly. It sounds really mm. legit. Let me try this out. Oh, I know like, that feeling. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> but I was cautiously optimistic. So I, I picked up the phone and called him and he's like, hey, I've been listening to the podcast. I was like, this is much more legitimate than any other scam I've heard. So let's keep going. <laughs> And so he's like, I've been listening to the podcast for a while and um, I, I'm really good as a lawyer in my field, but I've often struggled with the personal side where we, um, with the psychology and the negotiation type of stuff, that's your strength. And I have this big negotiation, multi-million dollar deal. Want to see if I can bring you in as a consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's wow. like, I've been practicing law for 28 years, um, but this negotiation side, that's really tough for me. And so for me at the beginning of my career, I was pretty insecure about my age because most negotiation experts are a lot older than me. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. as I was hearing him say that, I, he's like, I've been practicing law for 28 years. And I was thinking, man, he does not know that I have been on this earth for 27 years <laughs> <laughs> at this point. And, uh, <laughs> but we, we struck up a great conversation, have a great relationship still to this day. And wow. um, the, the deal worked out. We, we, we got a good deal. He brought me in on another deal later that year and closed that deal, went really well. And Incredible. so, yeah, so that was really, really cool. And it was, it was a blessing and a curse, Marcus, because it was, it was cool because I said to myself, wow, this is viable. I can make a living off of yeah. this. This is really great. Yeah. And then the other thing was, it was such a, an incredible opportunity at such an early stage that I started to think like, that's where the majority of opportunities were, were going to come in, consulting with lawyers. I said, oh, I'm a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I come in as a consultant. Well, I worked with him one other time. Another opportunity came up, but I've to that to that uh, since that day, I've never had another lawyer consulting client. Interesting. Yeah, so I've done a lot of trainings. Yeah, well, it's all companies doing those negotiation deals, and if I work with clients now, it's almost exclusively training, and then every once in a while, a corporate client will bring us in on a big deal that they need help with. But it was really interesting because I started to pursue like lawyers as potential clients for consulting. Yeah. And that that's not where the market was, which was interesting. Mm. And so it's been interesting to see the, the market kind of reveal itself to us yeah. over time.
2: Yeah. And then you guys paying attention to that and you're not trying to force something that isn't actually there.
1: Cause exactly. it
2: takes a, a lot of humility as a lawyer to even reach out to another lawyer for help like that. And I don't know if lawyers are the most humble people in the world. So it makes a lot of sense that, (laughs) you know, these companies are asking for your help instead, you know.
1: Exactly. And that's the thing, you know, because lawyers will bring me in now. Law firms would bring me in to do like continuing legal education training. So negotiation trainings, conflict resolution trainings. Um, But yeah, not on the consulting side. But yeah. I think it, this is still really enjoyable to me. I love doing the trainings, you know, and the diversity of clients that we have has been insane um, because, you know, I have to remember the NDAs that I've signed, but it's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> recognizable brands just put it that way, a lot of recognizable <laughs> brands. And um, but they, the thing is, Marcus, when it comes down to it, it's people talking to people. And so we have people who are negotiating big deals. They want like pure negotiation training. Then we have leaders who just want to be more persuasive, be more inclusive, be more, um, have better communication and resolve conflict. And then we started doing diversity, equity, and inclusion training too, focusing on connection and how you can have these skills. Of negotiation and conflict resolution, and use it to bring cultures together and communicate, mm. even though we're different, even though we have different backgrounds. And again, we often those diversity trainings often focus on the negative, on how yeah. things are so bad and um, why why you should be afraid of interacting with people because of all the mistakes that you make. But I think what's been really refreshing is taking this fresh approach of negotiation and empowering people to. Connect through communication, and that's been just a really refreshing addition to the the services that we offer because it's still on brand. Because it's yeah, people talking to people at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. And I feel like a lot of people have really probably have deep gratitude for what you're able to do for them um, just as a result of crushing these negotiation competitions. It's, it's crazy <laughs> to see how it. far you came from. Like, I'm just like trying to be the best negotiator. To, like, I'm like helping companies and people connect with one another. That's dope. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys what do y'all have planned for this year?
1: This year's exciting. This year's exciting. We have a a couple of big things. And it started off with a bit of a disappointment, but okay. I like to, one of my things I like to say is not just fail faster. I want to try different things, experiment and everything, but fail forward, take big shots. And even if you don't land the target, you still are in a bit better position. So at the beginning of the year, we were in talks with the Oprah Winfrey network for a TV show. Mm. And, um, we were close when went out to LA, did some recording, met with the executives and they were interested in the concept. And then um, they were like, all right, we'll we'll get back to you. And then later, I got the feedback from our producer that we went with. She said, hey, they loved you on camera. They thought you were really charismatic and everything, but they thought that you were, quote, quote, too clinical in your approach. And we didn't think that you would bring the drama. And I was like, you're you're damn right. I'm not going to bring the drama. That's not what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) So they don't want to help people is what they're saying. (laughs) Could you imagine like a hostage negotiator? It's like, Hey, there's the hostage negotiator. Here comes the drama. (laughs) <laughs> that's not good for business right <laughs> so i was like i was disappointed because this was always one of the goals so so marcus yeah. when you if you look at the trademark for negotiate anything yeah it will be of course it will say podcast but it will also say trademarked as a tv show because mm. I, was, I wanted to own the ip of it so like parlaying the podcast into tv was something that i was always thinking about strategically mm. and now after having that experience i'm realizing that the What it would take to be successful on t v in this in this type of field would be antithetical to the brand, like all mm. of the work that I do in terms of making the world a better place with teaching the art and science of negotiation, conflict resolution you know. Improving lives and community through difficult conversations would be undone yeah. instantaneously if I had to change the approach to be more dramatic.
2: Yeah, it would defeat the purpose, you know, defeat, you know, what I'm saying like it would you got to maintain your integrity, which is really impressive. Some people would just take that deal, move forward. They get to be on the old network. And they compromise their entire set of principles. So it's it's taking that to re- reject into the chin, you know, it says a lot. I'm curious about like, what a typical episode, if we're able to, what a typical episode of Negotiate Anything would look like.
1: Yeah. So the idea we floated with uh, um, OWN was a show where it's like two people who used to be friends, maybe business partners or something, and um, they had a falling out for whatever reason. And then I essentially used my mediation skills to dig deeper, figure out what the problem was, and see if we could make make it better. You know, that type of thing. And I like the idea of two people who used to be friends or whatever, and then working through the resolution, because that's something that we can all relate to. Yeah, We've all been in that situation. You know, Um, another one would have been I like doing breakdowns of conversations. So another show that I would have loved to do is actually have people sit down and actually trigger an argument like let's oh my God. watch them argue but then it's almost like a sports show where you can pause it and say ah you see that micro expression?
2: i was just thinking that yeah <laughs> i was just thinking was like john madden with the circles and stuff in the middle exactly. of the game exactly yeah that
1: would be so cool That because would be tight. i i yeah. love seeing and this sounds really you know twisted but i love seeing conversations that break down because I love challenging myself to observe it and see the different forks in the road that led them to this point. It's like, Mm. oh, there's a this is an inflection point. This person got heated for this reason. That other person is going to talk as if that didn't happen. They need mm-hmm. to stop and address that problem right now, or things are going to go way off track. Oh, mm-hmm. things are off track right now, and mm-hmm. what, right? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Know? So I I, yeah. I love that, and so if we find the right partner to do that, we we will. But mm-hmm. um, you know the. The thing is, at the end of the day, it made space for a much better deal. like the the deal with LinkedIn, where they're it's not just negotiate anything, but it's also they're they're in helping us to create a new podcast, negotiate real change. That's what's under up. The LinkedIn ba- banner, you know, and I can create the content I want to create as often as I want to create it and um, help people in new and new, unique ways. And so now that we have this relationship, it gives me a lot more um, license to spend time on podcasting because the deal is that good. So I don't feel bad about not spending time doing trainings or anything like that yeah. because podcasting by itself is, <laughs> is worth it, which is great. That's what's up.
2: So in general, what does the future hold for you all beyond um, beyond the, you know, the own network situation? You're trying to podcast more like what else is in what else are you guys looking
1: forward to? Yeah. So the big thing this year is the, the book, the second book coming out. So the first book was Finding Confidence in Conflict, like I mentioned before. But the second book is uh, how to have difficult conversations about race. So okay. really providing that resource for those people who are having those conversations, because for me, I want to go where the toughest conversations are. Because yep. those conversations are happening. We might as well empower people. Absolutely. And when we think about the, the leaders within companies, we have people who are trying to create positive change in their companies. Well, this is great. This is a resource for you. Then you have people who are deathly afraid of conversations about race and other sensitive topics. And they got into the business world to do good work and help people. And now they have to have these conversations about topics that scare them. They don't Mm -hmm. want to. And so Mm -hmm. for the person who's afraid of having the conversation and just wants to survive the conversation, this is another this is a tool that they can use to have those conversations safely and respectfully um, without risking offending people as much as possible, you know, so it's, it's going to be exciting. It's, it comes out September 13th, 2022. And okay. um, I think it could be big, man. I, I'm, really, I'm really happy about that. But it's, it was a labor of love, to be sure, because yeah. like, it took a long time.
2: Is it like a toolkit or just like a, like a stream of consciousness or are there like exercises within it? Like, what, what should people be expecting?
1: Yeah, great question, man. So essentially, it's breaking down what makes these conversations so difficult and then what you can do about it. So it gives you specific uh, tools that you can use in the conversation to be more effective because that's really what it comes down to. Everybody has a, a goal in these conversations. And so this this book provides you a tool, a set of tools that allows you to make it more likely for you to hit those goals, whatever the goals might be, with little damage, <laughs> Right. I think that's Mm. that's a big part of it. Right. And then um, but it's designed to spark conversation. So we have a lot of practical examples that bring bring the tools to life. But at the end of every chapter, we have discussion questions. So if you're reading it with a a book group or something like that, you can have you can actually have these conversations and practice the skills that you're learning from the book with other people.
2: Nice. Yeah, that's useful. Yeah, This is the work perpetual workbook for folks to use.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, man. So I'm excited. It's Wonderful. it's going to be a cool, uh, busy, very busy last half of the year for sure. Yeah. But, uh, going on tour. Uh, yeah, a bit of I'll be on a ton of different podcasts. I was thinking uh-huh. about the the book tour approach and what I'm realizing, especially after seeing what COVID did to book tours before, just how much can be done digitally. And yeah. I already have the podcast set up. I already have a lot of relationships in the podcasting community. If I for instance were to fly to New York and we have a big event and we do we pack a room with like 300, 500, even 1000 people, that's great. But I could just sit here in my studio like I always do, and talk to one person Mm. from the comfort of my home or my studio. Correct. And reach like 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people, you know? So (laughs) yeah, it is the money.
2: Why spend the money going somewhere, risking COVID for 100 people? We can just talk to the 10,000, like you said, directly from your couch (laughs) or your chair. Exactly
1: exactly yeah. and uh, i will say our our cfo helped me to see the reality <laughs> <All> that, <just laughs> like, hey, crunch. crunch some numbers <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> no need out. for all of that no need no need <laughs> so i'm like hey message received okay so we stay we stay put i do enough traveling yeah, that's where that negotiation
2: know, comes in it's <laughs> a tangible numbers as a part of that <laughs> exactly
1: exactly
2: that's what's up, man. That's so that's exciting. I'm excited about the book. I'm excited to see where you guys take. Do you do you still have any plans on like pursuing television?
1: It would need to be the right opportunity, man. I um okay. I I'm not pers- I'm not searching for those deals anymore. Word. I'll say it that way. I think the um what the deals with LinkedIn with LinkedIn Learning with LinkedIn the mothership itself with the with the podcast and everything like that it's showing me that there's some there's some really cool opportunities out there to monetize the content in different ways. And so creating yeah. our own course, our own AI course and selling that directly that's something that's on the docket for the next 6 months to a year. But then also partnering with organizations like The, the Great Courses and Audible and some other um, mm. digital learning platforms. That makes we're, sense. we're in talks now to put on some content for them, too, because that's evergreen. It produces income like in perpetuity. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know. So trying to create some more of those deals, I think that's great for a number of reasons because it generates revenue, but it also builds our audience as well because we're going to be introduced to new audiences, which puts us in position to sell more trainings. Mm. So the the content side of the company is going to be a major focus, but going more so directly on the education route. But I'm always open if if there are other opportunities, but um, I'm going to be a bit pickier because after this deal with LinkedIn, I'm like, oh, so this is what a media deal could feel like. Yeah, so this is the new barrier, the new, the new um, the new line. Everything needs to be mm. at least this good or better. Right. Which um honestly, most other deals haven't been. So we'll just keep on pushing forward and deepen into the relationship with LinkedIn and other partners like them.
2: That's what's up. Well, the the gauntlet's been thrown, the standard has been set, <laughs> everybody. <laughs>
1: That's right, man. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on the pod as my charismatic co-host. Yes, awesome indeed. job. And um, so if other people want to to work with you or, and learn more about your your offerings, where what's the best way to get in, in touch?
2: Yeah, I mean, you can hit me up by phone number. I'm going to give that to a million people so <laughs> you can follow my Instagram. <laughs> uh, my name is Marcus Banks, but my Instagram is Barcus Banks. So the M and the B are switched over. Um, B-A-R-C-U-S-M-A-N-K-S. Um, and yeah, you can reach out to you there and then we'll be in contact with one another.
1: Perfect. And everybody, I'll put Marcus's uh, contact info in the description of this episode. Thanks for so much for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity and and really I'm excited to see what A&I does in the future.
1: Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard.